Shalom, and welcome to Christians with Torah, the Beit Tehila Community Podcast. We believe the Torah is relevant for our lives today, God's teachings and instructions. You may very well be part of the first generation to be born again, filled with the Holy Spirit, and have the Torah, a Christian with Torah. Join us as we honor the living God through the study of His Word, topical conversations, and interviews with special guests. Please welcome our hosts, Pastor Nick Plummer and Ryan Cabrera. Shalom, everybody, and welcome to Christians with Torah, the Beit Tehillah Community Podcast. I'm your co-host, Ryan Cabrera, and I'm here in Studio A with Pastor Nick Plummer. Hey, Pastor Nick. Oh, it's good to be here. Oh, man, it is good to be here. So, man, the fall feasts are are over. Uh, I think we're still a little bit hungover from the fall feasts. Yeah. Yeah, we uh, are. This coming month of November, our uh, our men's and women's meetings are going to be back scheduled as normal. And we do have on, I believe it's what, November 16th, uh, we have... Congressman Ross Spano. That's right. Congressman Ross Spano, uh, who is the congressman for the local district that we are sitting in right now, is coming to Beit Tehillah, and he's going to be talking. So we're going we're gonna to listen to what he has to say. So uh, today, we are studying the Torah portion, Noach, which means rest. Or Noah, right? Which is a guy's name. That's right. But his name means rest. And uh, it's found in Genesis chapter 6 and verse 9, and it goes through chapter 11 and verse 32. Oh, yeah. It's exciting, everyone. And just remember, the uh, the book of Genesis is a book of beginnings. And a key phrase that's found in Genesis is, these are the generations of... Um, little interesting tidbit from Jensen's Old Testament survey book. Chapters 1 through 10 is the race as a whole. And then chapters 12 to 50 is the family of Abraham. Imagine that, everyone. The family of Abraham, chapters 12 through 50. So once again, we have Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and then the great character, Joseph. Joseph. And actually, Joseph gets uh, nearly 13 chapters out of 50 which is pretty astounding in the great family reunion at the end of the book. So that's, that's pretty cool. Uh, so once again, we're going to just jump right in here. We're going to go ahead and get Ryan's going to read. We're going to read Genesis chapter 6, verses 9 through 19, just to lay out the beginning of this portion. Yeah, we are. So it says here, These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a just man and perfect in his generations, and Noah walked with God. And Noah begat three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. The earth, was, uh, the earth also was corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence. And God looked upon the earth, and behold, it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted his way upon the earth. And God said unto Noah, The end of all flesh is come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through, through them. And behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Make thee an ark of gopher wood. Room shalt thou make in the ark, and shalt pitch it within and without with pitch. And this is the fashion which thou shalt make it of. The length of, uh, the length of the ark shall be 300 cubits, and the breadth of it 50 cubits, and the height of it 30 cubits. A window shalt thou make to the ark, uh, and in a, in, in a cubit shalt thou finish it above. And the door of the ark shalt thou set in the side thereof, with lower, second, and third stories shalt thou make it. And behold, I, even I, do bring a flood of waters upon the earth to destroy all flesh, wherein is the breath of, li- the breath of life from under heaven, and everything that is in the earth shall die. But with thee will I establish my covenant, 
And thou shalt come into the ark, thou and thy sons, and thy wife and thy sons' wives with thee. And of every living thing of all flesh, two of every sort, shalt thou bring into the ark to keep them alive with thee. They shall be male and female. <laughs> wow, the, here come the animals, Ryan. Wow, right there. Man, that's, that's pretty cool. So, uh... Wow, male and female, you know. So so all kinds of animals, huh? Oi. I mean, even the unclean ones were there. That's right. We're going to get into that, aren't we? We are. We are going to get into we that. Are, we are going to get into that. So what three things are noted about Noah? What, what's, what's noted about Noah? Well, number one, he was a just man, perfect in his generations, and walked with God. So once again, a just man. He was a zadik. You know, he was a righteous man. He was lawful. You know, so he was a just man. It says he was perfect in his generations. Uh, actually, um, it means entire or integrity, truth, without blemish, complete, full, perfect, sincerely sound, without spot, undefiled, upright, or whole. Here's a man who had integrity. You know, uh, we we think of the English word perfect, but the bottom line is that this is like this is a guy who was upright and had integrity. Last but not least. He walked with God. We talked about the book of Leviticus, right? It's the way to God, and then, of course, it's the walk with God. And so he walked with God, and that's some pretty cool uh, traits, if you ask me. Think about it. I think we can all do this. We can be a just man. We can be uh, perfect and have integrity, and we can walk with God, Ryan. What do you think about those three traits? I I think that uh, those are definitely things to aspire to. It sounds like Noah was a role model, to say the least. Um, being a just man and walking with God are great. Also, being perfect in his generations has some allusions to, um, you know, him not being defiled by uh, uh, Nephilim or anything like that. So it's uh, Satan's seed, right? Which uh, is uh, yeah, another interesting little piece. Because if you in, we in the tour portion. Um, Last week, in the beginning of chapter 6, and there's a couple verses here that I'll read real quick. Go ahead. And it says here, There were giants in the earth in those days, and also after that, when the sons of God came in unto the daughters of men, and they bare children to them. The same became mighty men uh, uh, which were of old, men of renown. And, and, then, and God saw the wickedness of man uh, was great in the earth, and that every imagination of his thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. So then we bump down here. And what does it say? It says, uh, Noah was a just man and perfect in his generations. So it's interesting there, right? So he's perfect in his generations after hearing that, you know, there was giants in the land when there was a, a mixture between... Improper relationships right, going on. Right, between, uh, you know, the sons of God, it's the B'nai Elohim there in Hebrew, which uh, a lot of people have, have uh, you know, put forth the idea that that is the, the fallen angels coming down um, and having improper relationships with the daughters of men. But there's a couple other little little clues here as as you read through here, and it said that you know all flesh is corrupted, right? It says here in verse 12, and God looked upon the earth, and behold, it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted His way upon the earth. Um, and so, you know, just little things like that kind of give you a key that that maybe there was actually some sort of a physical DNA corruption involved with this story. Uh, again, that's um, there's a lot more resources out there. Uh, L.A. Marjuli is probably the one that we would point you to if you ever wanted to to look into it from any source. Um, and again, just like with anything that we suggest to you, um, it's you know it's an idea. It's and the mystery of iniquity. It is. It is the mystery, and um, and it's here. But it's here. I mean, and I think that it's a it's a good 
interpretation of yeah, the and I, like I said, Ryan, you know, an improper relationship, you know, in Genesis three fifteen, there's there's the enmity between the two seeds, right? And we try to you know spiritualize it or it's symbolic or whatever, but uh, we do have to take the scriptures literal here. That there was something going on. Uh, something just came to my mind, and we'll be discussing this later on. But it, something came to my mind about improper relationships was. You know, the uh, the angels came to save Lot, came to his house, mm. and he brought them in. Yeah. Well, the, the people, the the crowd came to his door. They sure did. And they said, bring us those men out so that we may know them. Yeah, in but the But they knew they were sense. angels. Yeah, they did. So there was something going on in the earth that wasn't kosher, especially in regards to Sodom and Gomorrah. But anyway, that's just something to think about, improper relationships. Uh, moving along here, uh, Noah's three sons were Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Yes, and uh, Shem means the name, Ham means hot or warm, and Japheth means expansion. Ah, interesting. Expansion. Can I fry him? Doubly fruitful. You know, Joseph means addition to. But two things were happening on the face of the earth to bring on God's judgment. Two things were happening, Ryan. It was corrupt. It was filled with violence. Yeah. Now... Uh, Shachath is the Hebrew word. It's number 7843 in the Strong's Concordance. The corrupt is the word. The word corrupt, it means to decay, cause ruin, cast off, lose, mar, perish, spill, spoiler, or waste. Now, hamak is the word for violence by implying wrong, unjust gain, cruelty, damage, faults, Injustice, oppressor, unrighteous, violence or violence against or violence done, uh, violent or violent dealing, and of course the word wrong. So we serve a righteous judge, a righteous God. And so he is going to bring on judgment. And uh, Noah was asked to build an ark of gopher wood. He was asked to build an ark of gopher wood Um, the size of the ark was 300 cubits in length 50 cubits in breadth and 30 cubits in height genesis 6 15 so people want to know well how big is a cubit usually they say from your middle finger to your elbow you know uh some would say 18 inches so that'll give you a little bit i think it goes all the way there's they have what they call an old cubit and a new cubit uh, I think, from the people that have really, really studied it. I mean, you know, basically the length would be 625 feet long. This is These numbers are a little higher. Uh, the breadth would be 104 inches wide, 104 feet wide, and uh, 62 and a half feet high. Yeah. Is that the old cubit or the new cubit? Well, I mean, it's, it's a cubit. It's, yeah. it's a dimension. I think they said the, old, the new one was shorter, right? It was 18 inches, but the old one was like 22 inches. But like I said, I mean, this just gives you an idea. Yeah, for you know. sure. I mean, if you just want to look at it. So and so, as we continue on and and uh, and look at this, you know, the uh, the ark had a window, a door, and was three stories tall. The ark had a window, a door, and was three stories tall. Yeah, it was big, man. That picture that uh, the Batchelders showed yeah, last the, night. Uh, the the model in Kentucky. Yeah, I mean that thing is giant. So here's a great question for those of you that are listening. You know, think about it. You know. Um, I'm not a handyman or a carpenter, but here's this guy asked to build a boat out of the middle of nowhere. Um, didn't even have a boat dock. And uh, and he's building this thing for over 100 years. Um, 
Has God ever asked you to do something that you felt was difficult or impossible? Imagine that. Good question. Has God ever asked you to do something that you felt was difficult or impossible, Ryan? Yeah. Does anything come to mind? Uh, absolutely. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of things. You know, I think about um, uh, pastors in ministry, honestly. I mean, I think that somebody that's been called to ministry, um, that's difficult or darn near impossible. I mean, think about this. In the Hebrew roots, right? Having an organized community like we have here at Beit Tehillah, um, it's kind of like herding cats sometimes. You know, I would have to agree with you. Yeah. Yeah, when my, my father-in-law passed away, I had no intentions of leading a congregation. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so, you know, God chose me. And, and so the thing is, you know, it's kind of interesting, you know, that, you know, uh, if he brings you to it, he'll bring you through it. For sure. So it was like, well, God orchestrated everything and got it all worked out. And so, you know, it, it's, it's going on 17 years, but you're right. It is, it is, it, it seems impossible. It seems difficult. But 17 years is pretty good. 17 years is a good, that's a good... God's grace. Yeah. Every story in that manner. So think about it. So God was going to judge the earth by a flood of waters. And God established a covenant with Noah. Once again, Noah is the weaker vessel. God is the stronger vessel. He uh, established a covenant with Noah. Genesis 6, 18. Maybe you want to read that, Ryan. So Genesis 6, 18 says, But with thee will I establish my covenant, and thou shalt come into the ark, thou and thy sons, and thy wife, and thy sons' wives with thee. Wow, so eight people. You know, Noah, his wife, and their sons, and their and the sons' daughters. Um, so a total of eight people were on the ark. New beginnings. Eight is new beginnings. That's right. And in Genesis six nineteen it says, And of every living thing of all flesh, two, right? Two of every sort shalt thou bring into the ark to keep them alive. With thee they shall be male and female. Whoa. Is that a canine? Uh, yep. Who let the dogs out? Who? That's who? what I want to know. Who? <laughs> who let the dogs out? Let's check out Genesis chapter 7, verses 1 through 7. Now we're going to get into the flood. Ryan's going to go ahead and read these verses. It says here, And the Lord said unto Noah, Come thou and all thy house into the ark, for thee have I seen righteous before me in this generation. Of every clean beast thou shalt take to thee by sevens, the male and his female, and of beasts that are not clean by two, the male and his female. Of fowls also of the air by sevens, the male and female, to keep seed alive upon the face of all the earth. And yet seven days will I cause it to rain upon the earth forty days and forty nights, and every living substance that I have made will I destroy from off the face of the earth. And Noah did according unto all that the Lord commanded him. And Noah was six hundred years old when the flood of waters was upon the earth. And Noah went in, and his sons, and his wife, and his sons' wives with him, into the ark because of the waters of the flood. Boom. Wow. I mean... That's that's pretty serious. I don't know. You know, if people say, you know, wow, it's such a big arc. I don't know. If you gave me 100 years to do something, I might be able to figure it out, too. You know, I'm not taking anything away from Noah, but I just, I feel... Well, I think we're going to look at those references later. Oh, okay. But yeah, that that's interesting. So clean and unclean animals were brought into the ark. That's a duck. I don't know if that's clean. It is. It just depends? Well, uh, it depends if you're looking for a rabbinical tradition. Uh, duck is clean unless there is no yellow in its beak. Uh, according to rabbinical tradition, but Man, other I than heard that, giraffe was clean. I've heard giraffe is clean too because it, it has a <sighs> cloven hoof and chews the cut. You know, these are some interesting observations yeah. that we're making. I think here. I'm going to let somebody else try the. Yeah, the, let's the giraffe, let's look though. at Noah was 600 yeah. years old when the flood came. You know, 
600 years old when the flood came. And um, God had Noah and his family on the ark for seven days before the floodwaters came. And of course, the flood began in the second month on the 17th day. It gives us a little time frame here. Flood began in the second month on the 17th day. And of course, the Lord shut Noah and his family in the ark. Key observation here. Uh, you know, uh, the Lord shut Noah and his family in the ark. Remember, if God shuts a door, no man can open that door. You know, if God opens a door, no man can close that door. And that's just like in the Hebrews, the Christian faith movement right now, God's given us opportunities. He's oh, yeah. opening up doors and uh, it's, a, it's a door of opportunity, a door of hope, you know, and so we're moving on down here and... Uh, a door of hope, that's the name of the foster agency that, that we are Door of hope? Through. Yep. You know, I guess I was sharing with your group yesterday, somebody was asking, you know, well, gosh, you know, this, this flood is, is pretty severe. And I was just looking at some of these characters and some of this genealogy of Noah, right? Yeah. And uh, says the days of Methuselah were 969 years, and he died, right? Yeah. And of course, Lamech, what, 770 and seven years, and he died. You know, some have said that, you know what, um, God sent the flood to put out the birthday cake. <laughs> there were so many candles on that thing. You're we got to right. put that thing out. I mean, Methuselah and Lamech, I mean, that's, that's a lot of candles. Yep. You know, yeah. there's, an interesting, that. there's an interesting point that goes along with the ages. We haven't gotten there yet, but um, <clears throat> it says here in Genesis chapter 2 and verse 17, it says, But the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it, for in the day that thou eatest thereof thou shalt surely die. Right? And so it says in the day, and people are like, well, like they ate it and they didn't like, you know, fall over dead. Right. Right. Well, what's interesting is in the Hebrew when they talk about days, and you'll you'll notice especially in um, like our English translations are really nice because they break up this stuff for us already, right? They tell you it's right. a thousand years or it's two hundred years, but in the Hebrew it, it actually spells it out a little bit differently, and it uses weeks of years. It's like in Daniel where you see weeks of years. Um, but what's interesting is where it says the day. This is a thousand years, and uh, Adam died before he reached a thousand years old, which would have been the equivalent. Yeah, nobody of one lived day. to be a thousand. Right. So no one ever lived to be a thousand uh years old. And then even after the flood, God ordains here in the Torah portion that man would only live to hundred and twenty. So he's shortening the lifespan. Yeah. Boy, he sure is shortening the lifespan. Think about it, right? This is amazing stuff that's going on here, you know. And of course, um for forty days it rained upon the earth. Forty means testing, you know, forty. What what forty comes to mind is uh Yeshua of course what he was in the in the desert for 40 days then he was tempted right he succeeded then he began his ministry he, he built his resistance up to Satan told him it was written and went about his business and started his ministry uh, of course you know the children of Israel were in the wilderness for 40 years uh, 40 is the time for Teshuvah month of Elul and uh, part of Tishri amen so moving on here, we have, of course, uh, the waters rose 15 cubits above the highest mountains. So what is the highest mountain? Uh, right now it's Mount Everest. I think it's Mount Everest. So yeah. imagine like 15 cubits above that. That's, That's pretty, some serious uh, deluge there. That's pretty high. The earth is getting a mikvah, folks. The water remained on the earth for 150 days. The water remained on the earth for 150 days. Interesting observation as we look at that. And of course, uh, oh yeah, now the chickens are getting restless here. <laughs> but the flood's going to end. The flood is going to end. The ark finally rested in the seventh month on the 17th day. 
you know, this would be the third day of tabernacles. Yeah, that is Upon the mountains of Ararat, if you went by the biblical calendar. I mean, Genesis 8, 4, uh, rested uh, in the seventh month on the 17th day, uh, third day of tabernacles, which would, it would be in upon the mountains of Ararat, which is what is the country of Turkey today. Now, the tops of the mountains could finally be seen in the 10th month on the first day. Genesis 8, 5, the tops of the mountains could finally be seen in the 10th month on the first day. And Noah opened the window of the ark at the end of 40 days. Uh, Genesis 8, 6, Noah opened the window of the ark at the end of 40 days. Noah sends a raven, which is an unclean bird, out of the ark, but it returns back to him, right? Because there's nowhere for it to, to land. He then sends out a dove and it does the same thing. So he sends out a raven, he sends out a dove and they come back because the waters are still upon the earth. So Noah waits another seven days to send the dove out. Only this time it returns with an olive leaf in its mouth. What is that a symbol of? Mm, peace. Peace. Israel. Yeah, peace. It, it's a leaf, it says it here. It's not a, it's an olive leaf, right? I don't know. I'd have to look at uh, chapter 8, verse 11 and, <laughs> and tell you exactly. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's olive leaf. Yeah, yeah it does say olive leaf plucked off. Right. And remember, seven is, a, is for completion. You know, seven is completion. So he waits seven days. Now Noah waits another seven days to send the dove out. Again, only this time it does not return. It can find a place to rest. It doesn't have to come back to the boat. And so, of course, uh, in Noah's 601st year, in the first month, on the first day, which is a biblical new year, uh, Noah removes the covering of the ark to see that the ground was dry. Um, Jeff Batchelder does an interesting uh, observation that because it was like with pitch or nailed in or whatever it was, he literally had to remove part of the covering of the ark to do it. Yeah. You know, because God sealed him in. Right. He had to bust part of the boat out to check and see what's going on. Yeah, and I've wondered also about the, because they say the window is in the top. And so, the, you know, sometimes you see that there's the windows all along, you know, depending on different depictions. But they, they also, there's a theory that it was a, the window was actually a hatch on the top of it. That's interesting, you know, yeah. but there is a window, there is a door, yeah, and there were three stories. Um, moving on here, let's check out Genesis chapter 8. Now the flood ends, the ark finally rested in the seventh month on the 17th day, right, which is the third day of tabernacles, we already talked about that, uh, the flood ends, and then of course we move on here to uh, uh, the whole earth was dry in the second month on the 27th day, Genesis eight fourteen. Uh, Noah and his family were on the ark for 377 days. You could do your own little study, your own little observation. Uh, just to let you know, the debate is, was it a Gregorian calendar or, you know, Hebrew calendar, solar, <laughs> lunar, how many days in a year? So basically, I just added up the days in and of itself, even though Noah was 601 years old. So it means that he was on the boat for a year. Well, what I know is that at least I, a year. I know that Noah was 601 years old, according to the Bible, and I trust that God is on the right calendar, so we're going to go with whatever he says. What do you think? You know, it's just it's just an observation, yeah. but you could go and study this out for you. I know I got caught up into it a little bit. I was thinking, you know, I'm just going to go by 377 days, which is a little over a year. So Noah built an altar unto the Lord and took of every clean beast and of every clean fowl and offered burnt offerings on the altar. What a principle here the offerings are. It's a principle. Well, not only the temple. Well, check this out. So not only is it a principle of um, 
of the giving part, right? Which is great. But I mean, or of the offerings, I'm sorry, that they're necessary from a temple worship, you know, perspective. But think about how when resources are scarce, right? So he's getting off the ark and he has seven of each kind, right? So, I mean, yeah, there was a ton of animals. Yeah, we didn't bring that out. But there's there's not that many, right? So, I mean, think about this. This is this is one of those things where like, hey, when you have your last paycheck from the job, you don't know where your next paycheck is going on. Do you tithe on it? The answer is yes. Yes, here's yeah, no. Yeah, bird offerings means it's totally consumed. Right, which he didn't get. In, he didn't Nobody get to eat this. Anything. This wasn't like a barbecue. No, you just got to smell it. No, you got exactly. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> one for you, one for me, right? I mean, and then they had to have enough, right, for these these animals to uh, procreate and and replenish the earth. So, um, you know, if you think of my my son last night, he's like, wait the dove it flew off and it didn't come back and i was like yeah but it, the doves are clean animals so it's okay there's there's six more you know we're gonna yeah you're gonna make that's it. that's true and you know how it says that there's seven of each kind right but it says it's male and it's female well it doesn't make sense if there's seven of each kind well it does if one of them is for when you get off the ark and you're going to sacrifice it and then you have six that can and there's the principle of the sacrifice the you know, like and yeah. even today we ask people where's your sacrifice Yeshua is my Yeshua sacrifice. is our sacrifice, yeah. but we bring a sacrifice of praise. Oh, who wants to drag up an animal down the altar? Hallelujah! Thank God for a sacrifice of yeah, praise. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. And you can't give him that. I mean, think about it. If you can't praise him now, you're not going to want to praise him later. So, interesting observation here, you know. And, and just a reminder as well that the three universal covenants that affect all mankind is the covenant made with Eden, the covenant made with Adam. And the covenant made with Noah, the Noahic covenant. So these are universal. Everyone's affected, whether you believe or not. Let's check out Genesis chapter 9, verses 1 through 7. But before that, in Genesis 8, 22, after the flood, the earth would experience the four seasons. Frankie Valley. Frankie Valley and the four seasons. You know, last night I was trying to make that joke. And it I didn't work. I said Jackie Gleason. Like... Wow, you really bombed on that one. That's not honeymooners, you know. I know. That's something for the bride. I said it all wrong, man. I was like. (laughs) So while the earth remaineth, seed time and harvest, and cold and heat, summer and winter, the day and night shall not cease. Wow. Think about it. Yeah, I was at my daughter's soccer game yesterday. It's 90 degrees at the end of October, folks. This is crazy. You know, think about it. So there we have the four seasons. So let's check out Genesis chapter 9, verses 1 through 7, the Noahic covenant. And God blessed Noah and his sons and said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. And the fear of you and the dread of you shall be upon every beast of the earth and upon every fowl of the air, upon all that moveth upon the earth and upon all fishes of the sea. Into your hand are they delivered. Every moving thing that liveth shall be meat for you. Even as the green herb have I given you all things, but flesh with life thereof, which is the blood thereof, shall ye not eat. And surely your uh, blood of your lives will I require at the hand of every beast will I require it, and at the hand of man, at the hand of every man's brother will I require a life of man. Whoso sheddeth man's blood by man shall his blood be shed, for in the image of God made he man." And you, be ye fruitful and multiply, bring forth abundantly in the earth and multiply therein. Wow. So God blessed Noah and his sons and he told them, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. Think about it. Like there was something here before, replenish the earth. Subdue it. Make it happen, you know. Um, Do it. Human diet after the flood gets meat. Yeah. 
What was added to the human diet after the flood? Meat. Beef. It's what's for dinner. That's right. Where's the beef? Now, here we go. Genesis 9, 13. What is the sign that God has given mankind to show that he will never again flood the earth with water? I believe the correct answer, Mr. Trebek, is a rainbow. The rainbow. Now, we know that this particular symbol or this flag has been hijacked. You know what just came to my mind, Ryan, is this. It's kind of like the rainbow is is God saying, hey, I'm not going to flood the earth. I'm not going to judge the earth with water. So it's like when you take the symbol of the rainbow and you make it to be something else other than what it is, you're trying to say to God, you're not going to judge me. Hmm. You know, it's also interesting. I'm just saying, you know. That's true. No, it's totally true. Wow, that's kind of a a tenacity. Well... I mean, the audaciousness of people nowadays at poking God in the eye and slapping him in the face and spitting at him. I mean, it's just it's just crazy. But what's also interesting about the rainbow is I think we take the rainbow for granted. But, you know, prior to, to when the flood came, it had never rained, right? It was just a mist upon the earth. That's right, a mist, drip irrigation. So then once it begins to rain, now we have the four seasons, right? It says it right here at the end of uh, chapter 8, where it says, you know, night and day shall not cease and all that. So you, now you have the water cycle that begins, where the water goes up, it evaporates, it makes clouds, and then it comes right. back down. Well, I, I don't know about you, but if I had never seen rain, right, and I'm one of these eight people in the ark, and I'm replenishing the earth, and then I see rain again after never seeing rain before, uh, without the sign of the rainbow, I might be a little bit touchy. Um, on the whole idea of rain. And so when we see rain and we see a rainbow and it's this big, beautiful bow in the sky, I mean, wow, that's something that we should be celebrating and being like, wow, thank you, God, that you give us rain and that this is a blessing today and not a curse. That's right. He would never flood the earth again, but there is still flooding. You know, when you think about it. <laughs> but not the whole earth, not over the top of the mountains. No, not like that. Not to that degree. <coughs> <coughs> Excuse me while I'm under the weather, but we are going to march on, folks. Yes, we are. So we're going to get into that. Uh, hey, we've got... Uh, that time Uncle Noah got drunk. At- yeah, he, uh, of course, he planted a vineyard. He drank of the wine and got drunk. Yeah, he did. And so Ham, the son of Noah and the father of Canaan, saw the nakedness of his father and told his other brothers. So once again, what we're discovering here is an improper relationship. Okay, but let's go ahead and just read... Let's read this prophecy in Genesis chapter 9, verses 24 through 27, Ryan. All right, it says, And Noah awoke from his wine and knew what his younger son had done unto him. And he said, Cursed be Canaan, a servant of servants shall he be unto his brethren. And he said, Blessed be the Lord God of Shem, and Canaan shall be his servant. God shall enlarge Japheth, and he shall dwell in the tents of Shem, and Canaan shall be his servant. So once again... Who's Canaan? Well, he's the son of Ham. Yeah, he's the son of Ham. He's the grandson. So he says, like, you know, because of this iniquity, because of the sin, it's been handed down now into Canaan. But the prophecy is very interesting, everyone, because it says here, Blessed be the Lord God of Shem, and Canaan shall be his servant. God shall enlarge Japheth, and he shall dwell in the tents of Shem, and Canaan shall be his servant. Now, what what's the story here? I mean, think about this. If you stop and look at it geographically speaking, um, through genealogy or whatever, you know, Ham went south, 
that's the modern-day country of Africa. Shem is, of course, the Middle East. It means the name. Uh, Ham means hot or warm. You know, Africa, that's a, the dark continent. I mean, Japheth means expansion, and they, they went up into Europe. You know, just think about it. They went up to the north. But then what does it say next? It says that Japheth will dwell in the tents right. of Shem. That's right. So the prophecy is that Japheth, who went up north, who means expansion, would go into the, t- the tents of uh, Shem right there. It's right there. It's a prophecy that's happening. People are coming out of the nations that are not Jewish, Japheth, descendants of Japheth or whatever, and they're joining up with the Jewish people coming alongside, and I think it's quite fascinating. Oh, it is and quite fascinating. this is an old, old prophecy. You know, um, the, the whole idea here, so there's... Um, there's some New Testament references here. Do you mind if we jump into New Testament references? Are you, you good right, with that? What are you going to do that for? Well, because I, I wanted to get into right here. It says, Him, Shem, Japheth, the servant. Noah was 950 years old. And then we have some New Testament references right Got here. you. You're right. You're right. Okay. Noah was 950 years old when he died. But we do have some yeah, New Testament references right here that, that Ryan's going to read that, that are pretty outstanding. Matthew chapter 24, verses 37 through 39. So here's uh, 37 through 39. It says... Uh, But as of the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark, and knew not until the flood came and took them all away, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. So Yeshua recognizes the story of Noah. Yes, he does. They would say this is like business as usual. They would. You know. They would. You know, the the <laughs> next one, and this one I think is is my my favorite uh New Testament note. Hebrews eleven seven. It, it is. Oh, it's a classic. It is. it is. Well, and it's a good one. If I can find the book of Hebrews, here it is. Um it says here, it says by faith Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. Now here's what's cool, right? So Noah is a patriarch, right? So it goes from, from Adam and then it goes to Seth, right? And then it yeah. goes to Enoch. Enoch walked with God, and then from Enoch it goes to Noah, and then from Noah to Shem. Right, and so we see how this line of the Zadik goes down. That's good. All the way until then, from obviously from from Shem down to Abraham, and then you know, uh, hopefully you know where it goes from Abraham on on down. But it's cool because it says right here that he became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. Guess what? You who are listening to this right now, you are an heir to the righteousness which is by faith. Your faith in Yeshua, in Jesus Christ, in the Messiah, makes you righteous. It makes you righteous. That is that is how this this whole process. I don't know how it makes sense, right? Because in your flesh, you're probably it's his righteousness. It's his righteousness. Amen. You know, Ryan, this is the thing I want to encourage all of you, and it's so important that you understand. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Amen. And I know the demons even believe. So faith without works is dead. But let me just share something with all of you listening to this podcast. You are so ahead of the game here. You are so ahead of of people in faith. Yep. To practice the Hebrew roots of the Christian faith takes faith. Now, now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, Ryan. Now, if you stop and look at that, this word substance means the confidence of things hoped for. So just like Noah being asked to build an ark, he had confidence to build the ark. Yeah, he did. And he hadn't seen it. He was told to build it. 
And of course, just like with the, the, the plans or the layout, just like Moses was given the same kind of a template for to build it, you know, Moses is the tabernacle for the Lord. Well, it's just like that question you asked, right? I mean, has God ever asked you to do something that you felt was difficult or Well, impossible? this is what's really cool, Ryan, and, and it really has in, in inspired me in my faith because it's the confidence of things hoped for. You know, to build a strong community and raise the next generation, you have to have confidence. Yeah. And even though you only see it in little parts, you have to have confidence. Just like the restoration, regathering the whole house of Israel, I am confident that God's going to take the Valley of Dry Bones and make it a seating great army. I'm confident that God is going to take the two sticks and make them one. I am confident. So just confident like that. Noah, you can be confident too. And that's what people want to see. They don't want to see wishy-washy. They want to see your faith in action. They want to see you doing things. So when you see Orthodox Jews that bait Tehillah, it's like the animals. That's right. It's like the animals going into the ark two by two. <laughs> all the pigs, huh? Well, you know, there's some unclean too. But what I'm saying to all of you is the fact that we are witnessing incredible things yeah, at Beit Tehillah. We, and we we want to share with all of you listening to the podcast, because some of you are probably wondering, man, what is God doing? What's going on with this crazy world? I mean, think about it, everybody. you got England in a parliament that might have another election. They're still trying to fight over the Brexit. you got the election that happened in Israel that is probably going to happen again, because they have no prime minister that's going to be taking the place of Benjamin Netanyahu, or if he's going to run again, or whatever's going on in that parliament. So we have all these dynamics. It's very interesting, the impeachment process that's going on in, in the White House. Um, so it's a lot of instability. It's would, a lot of instability. You would know. you say that God saved Noah? Absolutely. I absolutely would agree with that. So yes, God did save Noah. God saved Noah. And so just like God saved Noah, um, literally in an ark, right, in very dramatic fashion— God saves us through his son. Here's what it says. Uh, this is 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 18 through 22. It says, For Christ also hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit, by which also he went and preached unto the spirits in prison, which sometime were disobedient, when once the long-suffering of God waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was a-preparing, wherein few, that is, eight souls were saved by water. The like figure whereunto even baptism doth also now save us, not putting, not the putting away of filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God by the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is on the right hand of God, angels and authorities and powers being made subject unto him. Um, 1 Peter 3.20? That's 1 Peter 3. 18 through 22, but yes, it includes 320. And then 2 Peter 2, verse Read 5. verse 20 again. Oh, I'm going for it. It says, Which sometime were disobedient, when once the long-suffering of God waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was a-preparing, wherein few, that is, eight souls, were saved by water. So he was a preacher of righteousness. He was, absolutely. Well, I guess you're going to get into that. Yeah, yeah, because right here... 2 Peter 2, 5. Yeah, 2 Peter 2, 5, it says here... Uh, and spare, oh, so, so let's do four through, I think, six here. So it says, For if God spared not the angels that sinned, but cast them down to hell, and delivered them into chains of darkness, to be reserved unto judgment, and spared not the old world, but saved Noah, the eighth person, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood upon the world of the ungodly, and turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, and he goes on to Sodom and Gomorrah. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, Noah was a Zadik, a preacher of righteousness, a, a, a preacher of the one true God. You know, think about it. Only eight people on the ark. There could have been more. 
He preached. Yeah. It was just him and his family. You know, I mean that that's that's disturbing. Wow, that is pretty. Think disturbing. about it. these are all the references found in the New Testament. So remember, don't rock the boat, baby. Don't rock the boat. Rock the boat. Rock. In the Genesis boat, baby. chapter ten, verses one through thirty-two, we have Noah's family record. We're not going to get into all that. That was real easy. Chapter ten, verses one through thirty-two, Noah's family record. But now we're going to conclude with uh, the Tower of Babel. We're just going to discuss this in closing here. We have, of course, Genesis uh, chapter eleven. Uh, Once again, only one language was spoken after the flood. Only one language was spoken after the flood. And of course, the land of Shinar is the modern day country of Iraq today, right? The land of Shinar. It's interesting, even in Isaiah, some of these prophecies that, uh, you know, I don't think God is done with Iraq. There's still some things that that are going on there. I've actually talked to some service personnel who were stationed in Afghanistan and Iraq, and they said, boy, there is some spooky stuff going on over there. I mean, you know, it's considered Mesopotamia. But uh, here's what they say in Genesis 11:4, And they said, go to, let us build us a city and a tower whose top may reach into heaven and let us make us a name, lest we be scattered abroad upon the face of the whole earth. So once again, they're disobeying God. And there's a lot more to the Tower of Babel uh, you know, some have said that they were, you know, building it up towards heaven, right? To be as God, yeah. You know, it's it's some form of a occultic thing that they were using some kind of a astrological, you know, calendar or device or thing on the tower. Uh, and so what they were doing, uh, you know, really wasn't sanctioned by God. I mean, you know, uh, so in order to uh, to stop the project, God confounded their language. So they would not understand each other's speech. God did this because nothing would be restrained from them, which they have imagined to do. I mean, so Babel means confusion. And God scattered the people upon the face of the earth. You know, it's very interesting because God said that he would scatter his people in disobedience. You know, uh, I mean, even the Jewish people coming out of the Holocaust, beauty for ashes, a nation was born in a day. You know, and so we can see things being played out with the Old Testament and New Testament today that God is gathering his children. He is actually putting his redemptive plan, uh, you know, uh, into effect fully, the progressive revelation that he has, and that he is gathering us in small pockets and groups and things. And maybe some people are in the living room and we're, we're a beta gila, but he truly is gathering his children. And so we can see this. And uh, he's no longer scattering, you know. Um, that's what that's what God is doing. He is now gathering uh, those that are his. So once again, Babel means confusion, and God scattered the people upon the face of the earth, but now he is gathering us. Now, we have a great patriarch that's mentioned in Genesis 11.26. His name is Abram. His name means what? Exalted, exalted father. father. yeah. Exalted father. Abram means exalted father. Uh, and of course, Sarah was barren uh, in Genesis eleven thirty. Sarai, uh, and of course, uh, we have another question here. Where did this great patriarch and his wife live before going into the land of Canaan? It's Ur, Ur of the Chaldees, which Ur. is of course the modern day country of Iraq. So Babylon is Iraq. Yeah, would Nineveh be considered Iraq? Or uh, uh, yeah, I would suppose. Yeah, I think Nineveh. Um, Babylon, think about it. 
And so Terah, the father of Abram, he died in Haran before Abram entered the promised land. So it's like this journey that they were on as they traveled up the Euphrates River and up to the north into Haran, which is, you know, the area of Syria or whatever, uh, Damascus and all these places. And so Haran's right above Israel, Lebanon. And now all of a sudden the father dies Yeah. and Abram makes the move to go south. Yeah, so well, and there's some interesting details in there in between, right? Haran dies uh, before Terah's face, which you could say it's before Terah, but it's really before be- before him, meaning, you know, the dad actually watches him. And so I think that's part of the motivation for them to move. At least we can infer that um, uh, ourselves. But the words Ur of the Chaldees, Ur actually means like a, a flaming fire or a furnace. And it, it, it brings to mind that when Haran dies in the Ur of the Chaldees, it makes you think... That he that the, he was thrown into the fiery furnace, and that's how he died before Terah's face. Now, of course, that's... Well, Haran is a place. It's also a place. So they name the place... Oh, I see what you're saying. So yeah, Haran okay. is the brother. Gotcha. Because it's um, it's Abram, Nahor, and Haran. And Haran is is killed in Ur of the Chaldees, and that's when they leave. And then they go to a place called Haran. That's not to make it, I gotta check that out. That's not, pretty cool. Yeah, not to make it any more complicated. Um, and, and, of course, like I said, Ur of the Chaldees, it gives that kind of mindset, almost like the Book of Daniel... Um, where they're thrown into the fiery furnace, almost like that's the way that he was executed. I mean, doesn't it say in Joshua that Abram's father was an idol maker? Uh, no, I don't think it says it, it's explicitly anywhere in Scripture. I think that that's uh, it's definitely uh, Jewish tradition. I don't know, but I think there was something in there about... There might be. Maybe it was the false gods, whatever. We'll have to yeah, check that out. But For sure. We you know, know that Abram grew up in pagan idolatry. That's right. Um, and that he was... A Zadik, right? He was a righteous man. Why? Because of the fact that he worshipped the one true God, and he was a preacher of righteousness. He said, you know, cast down these idols. They don't do anything for you. And um, the traditional Jewish story that goes along with that, the fact that Terah um, was an idol maker, is that one day, uh, you know, the father left Abram as a child in his shop where he (laughs) built idols and said, uh, you know, hey, watch the shop. I'm going to go out for a while. And so... um, you know, Abram took a, a stick or something like that, and he actually crushed and, you know, broke all of the idols in the, in the whole shop. Uh, where and, and this is obviously the way that Terah was making his living, right? So uh, when his father comes back, he had put the stick in the hands of the big idol in, in the in the front, and he says, well, what do you mean, Dad, that the, the idol did it, you know? And, of course, everybody knows that the idol can't do it and that the idol is powerless, and I think that's the point of the story. That's an interesting story. Yeah. You know, let me let me, here we go. Joshua 24, verse 2. And Joshua said unto all the people, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, Your fathers dwelt on the other side of the flood in old time, even Terah, the father of Abraham, and the father of Nahor, and they served other gods. Yeah. That's what it was. They served other gods. So we clarified that, Joshua 24, 2. Let Scripture interpret Scripture. So uh, in closing here, you know, what two lessons can be learned from the Torah portion? Noah, uh, Genesis chapter... 6 and verse 9, all the through chapter 11, verse 32, from a consensus of the group. I would say uh, one of mine is God can do the impossible. Impossible is nothing. God can do the impossible. Nothing is impossible for God. And I want to encourage everyone in this, as we rethink our eschatology and our paradigm of thinking, uh, God is really, really straightening some things out and showing us and revealing some cool things in regards to eschatology, uh, even the prophets. And so be open to that. Be open to the truth of God's word and his spirit and uh, think about it. And, and one last thought is this. 
Remember, professionals built the Titanic, an amateur <laughs> built the Ark. <laughs> That's right. So uh, I actually have three today. Um, I know I came up with three. Yeah, yeah, there you go. It's like he's celebrating. All right, so it says... Uh, you have three? I do. I have three. <laughs> if it walks like a duck, talks like a duck, must be a duck. Um, it, my first one was that uh, Noah took the things of God seriously. Uh, and obviously it paid off for him in the end. Uh, but we should take the things of God seriously. We shouldn't just be flipping about, you know, certain things and cast them off. That if, it, if it's biblical, I encourage you to, to do things by faith. Um, this walk in the Hebrew roots, right, it, it can be tough sometimes. And so um, take the things of God seriously. That's, that's one of the things I got out of it. Also, I said, uh, don't put anything above God. Uh, or you'll bring confusion. And so with the Tower of Babel, you know, ultimately what they did is they put themselves above God, saying that, hey, we can build ourselves a tower to reach up to heaven. We can, you know, keep ourselves cohesive. And, and ultimately God said, mm, no, you can't. And he confounded their language. And then all of a sudden they can't even understand each other, and they're moving on by themselves. And then the, the last thing I came up with was back to that uh, Hebrews eleven seven. Noah is the heir of righteousness that is by faith. And, and by virtue of the faith... Uh, that has been passed down, even from Abraham, uh, you are the heir of righteousness, which is of faith. And so I encourage you to have faith. You know, at some point, uh, you're not going to figure it all out, right? You come to the end of yourself and your understanding, you're going to have to ask the Holy Spirit for revelation. And uh, I, I ultimately think that that's the best place to be, is when you depend on God, you, you read His Word, and you just believe. And that's the faith like a child, and that's and that's righteousness, um, and that's his righteousness that is imparted unto you, imputed unto you as righteousness. And so that's all I got for those things. Um, awesome. So thank you guys for listening. Um, man, wow, we're season three, ver- uh, uh, yeah, season three, episode two. Uh, this is uh, the Torah portion Noah. Uh, if you guys want to reach out to me, you can email me at ryan at twopraise.net, ryan at twopraise.net. You can call the office at 813-654-2222. Um, you can also live stream our services every Saturday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, either through any of our social uh, media sites, whether it be Facebook or uh, Instagram or Periscope, uh, or even on our website at twopraise.net. God bless you. We love you. Have a great week.